Hey everybody, how you doing? It's Dan. Welcome to episode four of Rockin' All Week with You, Badoo 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 Badoo, the Happy Days podcast. I'm so glad you all are joining me. I'm, I've been having a, a great time doing this so far, and I hope you have all been enjoying it. And today we are talking about episode seven and eight from season one. It's episode seven is Fonzie drops in. Episode eight is the Skin Game, and uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say. Let's let's dive right in. First time I went out scrambling with the rebels. Remember? What do you want me to do? Send you some flowers? What's the matter, Kathy? I was only trying to. Get to work on these boys. Anybody bring a gun for me? Yeah, here's one. Phone's dead. You better send somebody for the militia. You could tell what might have gotten referenced within this episode. So where are we? Where are we? Fonzie drops in February 26th, 1974, directed by Mel Ferber, who directed All the Way, and written by William S. Bickley and Bob Bruner, who we talked about on Richie's Cup Runneth Over. And this one's this one's super simple. Well, I'm gonna I'll actually read the back of the DVD. The Fonz, a high school dropout, decides to re-enroll, but expects Richie to help him make the grade on his schoolwork by whatever means necessary. Murder. No, I'm kidding. There's no murder in this episode. Uh, the Fonz wants him to do his homework and and his other work, and because the Fonz is working at the garage and hanging out with the gals and checking out numbers on the walls at Arnold's and such. Fonzie wants Richie to do all his homework, and then the big thing comes, they've got an American history exam, and the Fonz apparently has only been in class for a week at this point, and he wants Richie to help him cheat, and it comes down to, will Richie help him cheat or not? I think you may know the answer to that one already, especially if you've seen the episode, of course. But yeah, so this episode is about our resident... Uh, Hood, as Joni calls him, our resident thug, our resident greaser, uh, who who didn't like Wild One. The Wild One comes up in this. Let me drop drop the cultural things right at the start here. Song-wise, it's it's all pretty generic in this episode. Um, We do hear uh, See Later Alligator uh, in the Arnold's parking lot, which I still say is not something that they're hearing. We're just hearing it. But we've heard that before, so that's almost like a... um, 
variation of the, the theme songs and, uh, and Rockin' All Week with You. That's this podcast of, of um, Rock Around the Clock, which are almost like, here, this is what's this is around this time period. This is this it's it would be like, you know, any sort of um uh like I've been you know, I I'm I'm writing a book on the Henning verse, so it would be like the you know, the different themes you would hear in Green Acres whenever cut to a scene that were variations on the theme song, stuff like that. So that's what like hearing see later alligator is sort of like, Yep, it's Bill Haley and the comments again. Here we go. Boom. And uh, it's interesting at the end of the episode. So the previous ones have all they list like happy days, rock and all, rock and. I'm gonna do that a lot. I rock around the clock. I'm gonna write down rock around the clock, and then it would list another song. This one it just says happy days and rock around the clock. Hey, and then the next credit is is something along the lines of like um, uh, musical contributions or artists included in this were in this series are Ike Cole uh, Bill Haley in the Comets, Les Paul and Mary Ford, Johnny Ray and K-Star and we've all talked about them having songs in the previous ones so one sort of gets the feeling from that that most of the songs we'll be hearing from now on will be songs that we've already heard from those folks and most of those songs are prior to like 1956. So most of those songs are from the first half of the 50s. So the songs may not be helping us much with the rest of the season. And as has been pointed out before, and I've mentioned before, there isn't, I don't think there's really a specific time at this time, at this point, I don't think there's a specific time they're shooting for. They're just shooting for a generic, nostalgic 50s when t- everything was easier i put that in quotes because it wasn't easier for everyone but ever everything was easier especially for super waspy kids like richie cunningham and and so that's that's kind of the point and that's why i um uh i you know i try to keep guessing when this might take place and but for now i'm still sticking with we're either in you know what i'm actually sticking with the fact that the Fonz decides to drop in means it's probably autumn they're all wearing coats and things again, so this you know th- th- this isn't winter, so it would either be yeah it would either be autumn, winter, or spring. This isn't winter because it's not cold enough, and because the Fonz does decide to drop back in to me, this says it's autumn. Because why would you drop back in? I mean, if if school was getting out in a month, why would you drop back in at this point? You drop back in at a point that was advantageous to you. Now, as we see throughout here, the Fonz really is he likes the novelty of dropping back in that's the thing is that richie sort of convinces him they're just they're just kind of uh playing playing a little um basketball and and the Fonz is nearby reading a hot rod magazine uh just hanging out you know this dropout hanging around the edge of the high school you know court and the Fonz and richie just start talking and and richie kind of says you know hey you know why don't you try dropping back in and so the Fonz and richie go to the principal's office and they get right back in and we only see the Fonz at I believe it's the American history class with a very nice teacher who becomes quite enamored of the Fonz because uh, Ralph and Potsy are, think they're the class clowns and they start joking and that sort of way that you see a lot of show, shows like this that aren't really that funny. And then the Fonz actually has to kind of calm everyone down and say, hey, she's teaching here. But the Fonz is great because he comes in and he introduces himself and everyone claps, hey. And then he rearranges everyone. So Richie is sitting near him, plus he's surrounded by the cute gals. So, hey, you know, man after my own heart but then it does become pretty clear that he's not planning on actually doing anything more than showing up and that richie and others are going to have to help him out in fact we see a gal from the previous episode trudy 
who was sitting with Ralph Malf as they were all telling jokes, and she uh, she goes up to the Fon- you know, what are you doing tonight, Trudy? For you, Fonz, anything. All right, you got to do my homework or something. But what? Ah, there, there's a, there's a lot of fun stuff that happens in this episode. I just want one thing. They they go to the see the principal, and I forget the principal's name, and doesn't matter. Um, uh, Mr. Principal, and I love how chintzy his office looks. You know, it's like yes, I've got a bad comb over, and uh, you know, I I may not this may not be the most fulfilling job, but look at how cheap my office looks. Look at look at. <laughs> Looking like when I'm talking to the Fonz and, and Richie at approximately, I've got it here, right here, five minutes and 42 seconds in the episode. Look at the corner of my office. Did they did they just join two walls? Is this a set? Am I on a set? And why does this look so well? Now, I was going to say, actually, this sort of green pops up a lot in the show. I was going to say for a second it looked like... Um, uh, almost like more like a 70s set that green but I don't think that's right it reminded me actually of um, I think it's green there's this great if you watch enough 70s cop shows I think Columbo features it I think it's in an Ellery Queen and others there's this like great set that I think is that same sort of color that's kind of like a hallway and one one wall has a staircase that 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 comes down to the floor that we're on kind of implying that we're in the basement and this is this exists this great set that you see pop up a bunch in like paramount shows and stuff i think it's paramount shows yeah and and but i'd love to say that if we strolled out of here we'd be on that set and suddenly peter falk would be walking by or something but actually i think that green is is popping up a lot in the 50s i'm not so good with my fashion i do love that little double candle thing he has that semi-religious looking thing on the background i like that very much so yeah so he goes to see the principal who is is pretty um uh, cool about the fonts coming back oh and let me can i just play you something real quick so we know that the 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 links um uh from uh scene to scene you either get a bit of you get a blast of music um see you later alligator or you get the dun 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 you know kind of thing i want to play you this real quick let me get let me get stay right there listen to this Did you get that? Oh, he forgot his deviled ham. I'll play that for you one more time. Here we go. He won't drive with his foot on the clutch. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Sorry, that was me setting the remote down. Did you hear that music? Um, I'm way too close to my microphone here. I'm moving around with it. Uh, let me let me let me sit back down. Here we go, folks. I'm moving across a room here from the TV to where I'm setting this down. Did you hear that music? Did they? I mean, they could have done Waka Chawaka, circa '57, but that ain't right. Theme ain't right. I I love the fact that just like for a split second, whoever was doing the music said, "Okay, we got. I need a some bridge music. Guys, give it to me." Perfect. And they were like Gary Marshall was sitting there. Okay, let's listen to this scene. Where did that music? Who's where did that music come from? Was that? This is the fifties. They're not doing um you know early early seventies uh funktastic stuff at this point. And I'm sure someone probably said, "Well, no, they could have done stuff like that." You know, James Brown was. Uh, this was around the time that James Brown really kicked in and and stuff like that. So there was funky. Yeah, but that early James Brown stuff wasn't funky like that. Funky and and I, <laughs> I do like it. That's so. 
it's such a weird scene because one you wouldn't think it'd be that easy to get in there we know we know the Fonz doesn't have parents in any way we i mean we learned what is it, grandma right i believe it's going to be sometime um, but uh but so we know it's just the Fonz and he's on his own but is it really that easy to just walk in and say hey i want to come back into school you got it Fonz, and um fix my car i love it because at that moment i think oh wait a minute this is set in 1973 Okay, I didn't realize that. That was the day I was born. That riff was playing when I popped out of there. Whoa, hey, everybody. Where was I? All right. So we have uh, have a lot of fun uh, Joni stuff in this episode. There's just, there's just a lot of stuff going on in this episode. Uh, the the Fonz, obviously, a few episodes ago, Mr. C met the Fonz. But here the Fonz comes over for dinner. And he shows up kind of dirty and a, a bit sloppy from uh, having come from work. And he's got a wrench in his pocket. And it, it's it's interesting to hear the Fonz. Because he, he, like my in my mind, the other big pre-Fonz moving in above their garage scenes, uh, early Fonz scenes with the Cunninghams. The other big one that I always think off the top of my head is, is the Christmas episode. And he sort of acts very much like this kind of in the Christmas episode, except um, he's delightful in the Christmas episode. This one, he it's it's funny because by by time you hit the Christmas episode, I know I, I hate to hop ahead, but but I, I just like to compare here because he he's he's slightly awkward in this scene with them at the dinner table. I mean, the first thing he does is he takes Mr. C's seat and, you know, Mr. C's like, what's going on? And and, and he, he talks about the wrench and he's dirty and then he's talking about the wild one and he says like, oh, I would have hit Lee Marvin over the head with that trophy. Oh, dear. And then he kind of insults, doesn't mean to, but kind of insults Mrs. C's mashed potatoes. And it's it's funny to think he's the, out and about in the high school world, he's the coolest guy. But here when he kind of inserts himself into a family, it's not really his thing, and he's kind of awkward at it, and he, he doesn't fit in. Uh, he he will be better in the Christmas episode, but the Christmas episode is is, is just so sweet and funny and, and delightful that it's 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 something else. Plus, you get Joni like, he's a hood. He rides a motorcycle. He's a hood. So when he shows up, she's kind of, hmm, huh. You know, she's enjoying it, but, but she doesn't kind of, we don't all... By the time we get to the Christmas episode, we all love Fonzie. Here, we're still on the edge, specifically because the Fonz has been taking advantage of Richie. And you do wonder about that. If maybe the Fonz... Like, when the series starts off, the Fonz is kind of a little distance from Rich Richie. But then as the episodes go along, he becomes closer to Richie. and becomes kind of a friend with Richie. And then he does this. So you wonder if that was some sort of Fonzie long game where it's like, you know, I'm going to hang around here and... I'm gonna come back, drop back into school. Of course, Richie suggested it, but Lafonz is, is might have, might have been able to manipulate that in some way. But I'm playing a long game here, where if I can get back into school, I can get Cunningham to do most of my work for me. Mm, maybe not. Probably not. At the end of the day, and the thing is, and I hate to, um, I, I hate to to spoiler it. I guess I'm gonna spoil it. Richie doesn't cheat. Richie doesn't. I mean, there, there's a long scene which is fun with Richie and Fonz sitting in Richie's room where Fonz is like, okay, I'm going to tutor you. And there's a, there's a point in there where it's like, Fonzie, I can tutor you. You're going to what? 
Tootie, Tootie, teach you, you know. And uh, the Fonz begins to talk like, uh, you know, um, it'll be two coughs for no. It's true and false. Two coughs for no, one cough for yes. And they're coughing and they're doing this. And Richie looks very uncomfortable. And the Fonz um, isn't, doesn't quite look like he wants to break Richie's face, but he certainly could. And yeah, in the end, Richie doesn't cheat. It's it's strange because during the during the scene of the the exam, the teacher must really not be paying attention because everyone talks back there a lot, and she rarely says a thing. But but yeah, the Richie Richie says he won't cheat, but the Fonz is okay because the gal sitting in front of the Fonz has notes on the back of her her sweater. And the Fonz has also taped a um, answer sheet, like a uh, note sheet, to a windowsill. Unfortunately, there's a bird on it, and the bird befouls it. And uh, th- then that leads to, yeah, Richie doesn't get his face beaten because the Fonz kind of thought he would do this. And we get to an ending that I really like. The ending has two. It gets you with the one thing with the Fonz, and there's another thing with Joni that I really like. Again, mentioning a long game earlier. Uh, we- we'll talk about this in a minute, but I like bits with these two characters that come up in the end because you have to think at this point the show is it's the Richie Cunningham show that's what it's about you know in the end when when the Fonz gets 66 on the test and he hadn't studied for it and he hadn't um uh cheated on it but he passed and now he's going to drop out again uh you know and that's that's great and the Fonz is completely happy with that. And he's kind of like, whatever with this test. But then you see him in the end kind of looking at the test, smiling at it, folding it up, putting his pocket. But then it cuts to Richie looking over there going, okay, I think the Fonz learned something today. And so did I. Uh, but of course, as time goes, the Fonz is going to become a very, very important. He's very, very, yeah, he's very much a secondary character here who appears here and there. Um... Uh, but he will become very, very important, obviously, in the show as we go along. And I will talk about that in a few minutes. But I just want to kind of skim across a few more uh, points, a few more bits. Because, um, as I said, I think it's a very good episode. I think it's got some good laughs in it. It's got some fun uh, stuff in it. Uh, and, and the Fonz, we know that the Fonz can, can wipe the floor with everyone. But you don't think... Even with Richie saying he won't help him cheat, you don't think he's going to do that with Richie, which I which I like, and that's part of their friendship that builds, and they become. I mean, a spoiler again. I mean, who's one of the few people who who? I, I who's the only person who hits or tries to hit the Fonz in the history of the show? That the Fonz lets them do it. Spoiler: It's Richie. Another spoiler: It ain't going to be for like. <laughs> like 100 episodes no it's more than that good gravy like 110 something like that episodes before we talk about that it's gonna be a long time before we talk about that whenever they're in the dining room and you see mr c and he's he's got his back to the window and and at the window there's little curtains and like you see half the window and there's some more curtains and in that space with the curtains that where there are no curtains there's a there's a Pardon me, there's a shelf that has like little different colored jars and almost like a test tubes or something on them. And on more than one occasion in this episode and the next episode we'll talk about, uh, the camera has been at a bit of a distance and lights have been reflecting around there and been reflecting sort of through all these jars. And I thought they were like sitting on a hill looking down into a city or they were like in an apartment and those were like windows and buildings and a huge city or something. I was like, wait a minute, where are they? Are they back in that apartment they seem to be in on Love America? Oh no, those are glass jars and things. Okay, Mm. all right. So isn't that a beautiful story? So I'm going to do, uh, I just want to, 
uh, just make sure I got everything covered before I go to the thing I think is really cool about see you later alligator Fonzie is the Mickey Mantle of the Grease Pet which he carries with him uh, let's see um, Roscoe oh there's yeah there's a great bit where they talk about um, must be great to be grown up be in the grown up world and Fonzie says you know everyone's married and the only person who isn't is Roscoe the lube guy but all and we go off for beers but all he does is talk about his lumbago I thought he was going to mention lube some more but he just says roscoe the lube guy once we do get the first mention of the junior chipmunks uh which would be a joni thing and a gal the junior chipmunks threw up we get a funny running bit where um genie scarsdale i think has some book that shows where babies coming from so joni babies come from so joni wants to get to class and mrs c is like i'll take you to class and then at the end there's a great moment which we will discuss again in, in a bit where it's just like um um uh, you know, she she Joni's talking about the gal who threw up in the junior chipmunks. And then I, I, I forget exactly what they're talking about, but Joni says something like, um, yeah, ask mom about sex and she'll drive you anywhere. Oh boy. Uh, let's see, and I, I think that's about it for all the other differences. Oh, there's there's one more thing with dating. We do know that this is before February 3rd, 1959, regardless of what's going on, because the Fon says that um, he'll go back to uh, um, uh, fixing cars because drag racing and DuckTales and Buddy Holly will be forever. Of course, drag racing ah, continued for a bit there, and the ducktail, I think, um, the, that's the haircut. That's like the Elvis slick back greaser haircut. Uh, would last through the 50s. I don't know how long it would last into the 60s but that's very much a 50s thing and of course buddy holly um died in the in the plane crash in february 3rd 1959 it's interesting because when he says that that is one of those moments i mean we're supposed to look at this in a nostalgic fashion sort of like you know oh my gosh someone like asking us to cheat or um getting going out getting drunk or or going to something we shouldn't be and getting caught by our parents and and it's meant to be a sort of a timeless universal kind of thing and the references to the time periods like playing see you later alligator are meant to um ground us in when it's it's going on but something like that that moment where he says that to me is very much like a wink at us and saying like okay fawn's you may not be right there. Some of these things may not last forever. And and the, the laugh track sort of acknowledges that, but it I guess it's it's tricky because the laugh track should probably not be acknowledging that. Because if it is acknowledging that, then that's acknowledging that that's sort of a joke that the characters wouldn't know, but the people watching 20-odd, uh, 15, 20 years later would know. Um, it's so so that's that's an interesting moment. I'm going to close out my my chat with this about this episode with the two things. Um, I guess let's let's cover Joni first because uh, Joni's great and she's here and she's got her full on sass and she's got her Mickey Mouse ears talking about her friend, showing them how where babies come from and and scaring her mom and and talking about her friend throwing up and all that kind of thing. And Fonzie's a hood. And what did you do today, Richie? He helped Fonzie cheat. Did you really? No, no, we didn't. In the end, we didn't. There's a great moment where um, ask her about sex and she'll she'll drive you anywhere. What are little girls growing up, um, Howard? And then Mr. C looks at looks at Joni and there's and she, Joni kind of smiles and Howard's like, oh boy, our little girls growing up. And the joy there is that I don't 
obviously when you're starting a show like this, you're like, okay, who knows how long this is going to go. You know, these 16 episodes, maybe all we have, maybe we'll get two seasons, maybe three or four. Um, you know, who know that who knew that the show would run for 11 years and at some point and would spin off several shows and at some point like be this huge cultural touchstone kind of thing. Who would have thought that Joni, the sassy kid sister of the star of the show, would sort of be the character who has the biggest arc across the show? Starting off the show, Joni is this wisecracking little kid. I know how old is she? 10, 11, something like that. And maybe a little younger. Uh, I, I'm not sure. But by the end of the show, I mean, she's, you know, I, I hate to spoil, but here you can sort of see it being kind of created. That, although they probably weren't looking at it that way at the time, but it was very much like Joni at the end of the series, Joni is very much the series i mean the fonz would grow and change and do this and go there but the fonz is already grown up when we start whereas joni we actually see her grow up and go from a little girl to you know teenage girl to a woman in the end and so joni gets to me joni is the character with the biggest arc across the whole 11 seasons as if you would have said to someone seven episodes into happy days in 1974 that character is going to be probably the main character throughout the 11 seasons obviously richie is when he's there but richie ain't there for four seasons and technically Joni isn't there for one of the seasons either but she's got her spinoff and so i like that very much that sort of this little wisecracking kid will be so important to the show and sort of the humanity of the show comes in 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 Joni growing up Joni's choices what Joni does where Joni goes and that's awesome. Love Joni. Love Joni. The Fonz um, is the other one, and then I'll wrap this up and we'll go to the next uh, episode. But the Fonz, you get that moment where he folds up the... He looks proudly at the test, folds it up, puts it in his pocket, and then goes on his way. And you think, okay, he's a dropout. He doesn't care about any of this. He just showed up to... Just for whatever reason, he just showed up. The thing is that we know what reason was he showed up from the rest of the show from the future of the show we know spoiler that in a few seasons from now he's going to graduate along with richie ralph and potsy he's going to graduate he goes to night school he's going to graduate we also know that in season eight he starts teaching high school so yeah so this this is a guy this is a guy who wanted to learn who wanted to be in school who wanted to make the best that he could from i mean compare the Fonz here who's just working as a mechanic sitting around in the high school you know lot or or in Arnold's bathroom reading hot rod magazines hanging out with the high school girls compare him to the Fonzie at the end of the series who has a season-long romance with a woman who has a child who co-owns Arnold at I forget if he co-owns it at the end who I, I'm not going to say everything but if Joni grows up and goes from a child to a woman and becomes sort of the heart of the show. The Fonz is this wonderful character who starts off kind of like he's a greaser, he's a hood. And then by the end, he's a really good guy. Not He's a superhero, too, as far as I'm concerned, but he's a really good guy. And I think the birth of it is here. The moment you see him look, uh, he's so proud. I mean, think about it, think about it. American history, a history, when I took all the history, history is just memorization. You got to memorize history, especially high school history, unless this is AP history, and I don't think they had that there. 
But American history is memorization. You memorize your presidents, you memorize your amendments, you memorize the states, you memorize whatever, you memorize famous battles in the Civil War. The fact that the Fonz hadn't been in school for a couple of years, and presumably they put him in this class because that's where he left. So let's say he hadn't been in American history class in a year, two years, I don't know, and probably hadn't looked at anything on American history, and yet he still gets, without doing any studying or cheating, he gets a 66? That's astounding. Isn't that astounding? I mean, it's not like like if they had said like he got a 66 in like trigonometry, I would have been like, okay, no, you got formulas you have to memorize, then you have to utilize them and, and you know, follow them down as it were. But, but he had all, enough in his brain from what he either heard over that past week, and he was only there a week, or he just, he remembered from what he knew previously or just he, he got a 66. To me, that's astounding that he did that. And that is so cool. And that shows that the Fonz is a smart guy. And we'll see. The Fonz is a smart guy. He's a shrewd guy. He's a, he's a sweet guy. He's a very nice guy. He's a freaking superhero. And he's going to kick everyone's asses. At the, uh, it's going to be the, the Joni and, and, and Fonzie show. And Joni actually gets her own spinoff, which is cool. So uh, I, I guess that's, that's it for, uh, for, <laughs> for Fonzie Drops It. It's an episode I really like. And I can see it um, portending so many good things. So let us hop ahead now to March uh, 5th, 1974, and The Skin Game. <laughs> All right, as I said, March 5th, 1974, The Skin Game, Episode 8, directed by Mel Ferber. I think this is the third and final episode that he directed, written by William S. Bickley. Hey, Bill Bickley! Bill Bickley and Lou Ferrigny as the Incredible Hulk. What was I saying? Okay, uh, this is The Skin Game. This is... Uh, Ralph Malf, uh shows up in Arnold's and says that he had been to a place called, I believe, Eddie's Pink Palace, which sounds very naughty to me. But I guess this is um, this is a this is a more innocent time. And it's a burlesque place, and it's um, yeah, strippers and such. And and they Ralph tells everyone about Bubbles McCall, who takes it all off. Oh boy. And so the guys, uh, well, uh, Richie and Potsy, uh, get some fake IDs. One of them, uh, with the help of a guy named Pockets, who is a friend of Fonzie's, and one just kind of appears for Richie. And they go, and they're ready to watch uh, Bubbles take it all off. Except, oh my gosh, is that Howard Cunningham? What is he doing here? Oh boy, are Richie and Potsy going to get found out? Is Mr. C going to get found out? What the heck is going on in this crazy world? The Skin Game is a lot like Richie's Cup Runneth Over. Uh, it's a fun episode. It's a charming episode. It's got some good bits in it. Uh, the uh, the scene with Pockets is fun. Uh, the scene at the the um, the burlesque, burlesque club is fun. Uh, they see two gals. One who just she just kind of dances around, chomping away on her gum, and. Um, and uh, she's she's great. Uh, she looks so disinterested in what she's doing. And the, and and when Bubbles comes out, she doesn't. None of neither of them take off much at all. They just kind of dance around and 
skimpy-ish clothing and go. And, and uh, Bubbles is played by the great Barbara Rhodes, who uh, you might know from... Geez, she was in The Shakiest Gun in the West, right, I believe? I know her. She, she sort of shows up. and She was a photographer in the um, Columbo episode with Patrick McGoon plays the spy, which I forgot to look up the name of, but you know the one I'm thinking of. And she was she worked the photography booth at uh, like a carnival amusement park. Um, I also know her uh, for... Um, she's in the great uh, Ellery Queen episode, the uh, Veronica's Veils. She plays uh, Veronica. She play, I believe her character's name is Veronica. She plays a stripper in burlesque, and she is actually going to take it all off. And that's 1947. And she's great. You'll know when you see her. She's kind of blousy, big, beautiful, voluptuous, and she's just like... She's just like... Every time you see her, it's like, wow. Woo-woo-woo. I was going to let off a loud whistle, but then I thought I'd spike all my uh, my levels here. She's sort of like... She, she's like uh, like the Russ Meyer gal that got away, kind of, that, that got into... I don't want to say legitimate, but got into happy days. She doesn't do much here, but just kind of dance a bit, but it's it's great to have her here. Uh, what Oh... There, there is one really big thing that happens in this episode regarding something else I've talked about, but I will save that to last. As far as sort of uh, uh, t- uh, mapping out the times and stuff like that, there, there, there's not a lot going on in this episode. It has that same uh, credit regarding music and artists from the, the previous one, and when they're in the the strip club, they play stuff like Blues in the Night from the 40s, so so that's not particularly helpful. The the stuff they're playing in the burlesque bar for the over-18s or whatever is probably not going to be because the gals ain't going to... That ain't too sexy. The gals ain't going to be dancing to that. Uh, let's see, we get, we get some more Marsha in this episode. She has, at one point, she has a she uh, tells Richie that his mo- her mo- his mom is on the phone, and she has like a glutton Sunday or something. I forget. She kept saying it, and I think she said glutton Sunday. I she, I, I believe, um, and I kept not quite understanding what she was saying. She's got like a Sunday that's basically completely melted in her hand. It's sort of like you you just you just went from the kitchen, which is twenty feet away. To the phone, picked up the phone, yelled to me, and that, that, I mean, how hot is your hand? I mean, she's holding it from the bottom, too. Shouldn't those things be, they're not heating those, are they? I don't understand why it's so melty. And then then she makes a joke about uh, working and how awful it would be to work in the kitchen, which I didn't fully understand, but, um, you know, that's, that's our Marsha. Uh... Let's see, we have Pockets. Yeah, Pockets is kind of a shady-looking guy who shows up with the Fonz, and he doesn't say much, and they, they go directly to Richie's room, and they start putting together the IDs, and, and, and uh, Pockets is sort of like um, the Picasso pistachio, you know what I mean? Sorry, that's a reference to the Christmas episode, but he's the Picasso of, of fake IDs, and it's great because as they're doing this, Mrs. C comes in with milk and cookies, and everyone leans over like, what's wrong with Pockets? Oh, he's got the hiccups. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then Mrs. C says okay and leaves, and the second later, boo! She comes in to scare Pockets, and it's great. And then Pockets leaves, and and it's weird because they have this this long scene with the fake ID, but then because of Mrs. C, Pockets leaves, only giving Potsy a fake ID, and Chuck shows up. Hey, Chuck! And Chuck, um, yeah. Uh, again, I sort of see what they were doing with Chuck, but 
you know, he's here just for a scene or two, and he's I'm practicing my uh, free throw. I'm going to shoot it overhand rather than underhand because the fans like it. And I, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I didn't know that you used to be able to do underhand free throws. That seems like that seems like that would be much easier to me. Whoop! But yeah, that Chuck is there, and he just doesn't seem very smart at all. And he um, Richie asks him for his draft card, but Chuck's already lent it to someone. But then it's okay because Posse shows up and he has a fake ID for Richie, you know, and it's he's Joe Kilvinsky. He's 25, red hair, 135 pounds, blue eyes. And Potsy is 145 pounds, 5'10", uh, blue eyes, although they argue about the eyes, and he's 18 on his card. And, uh, yeah, there's an interesting moment I where uh, they, they – oh, here's, here's an interesting thing. So we try to discuss the time. Joni does uh, uh, um, come in with a um, uh, hula hoop, so we get to see her in her hula hoop. Uh, we talked about hula hoops on the previous one, the dating for that. There is a moment where Potsy and Richie step up to the bouncer. And the main bouncer, who I assume is Eddie, has to go. He got a phone call. So the secondary bouncer, who doesn't seem very bright, and who seems to be a Potsy warm-up, um, lets Richie in immediately. And then um, not, con- and not as convinced as Potsy, and then says to him, So you're 18, huh? Yeah. Real quick, what year were you born? And Potsy goes, uh, 1938 or 38. And the guy goes, yeah, close enough. And 1938, so that means it's 56. But I still I still claim 57, although we could have floated back in time a bit here. I still claim 57 because clearly neither Potsy nor the bouncer are able to subtract 18 from whatever the current year is. So close enough to me says we're 57 is still fine because you get thinking quickly like that and and you you don't you're not too good with the math and such i could see you saying like 57 on that so i'm still sticking with that although that was a moment where i thought could that be a moment where they're finally pinning down the date Mm, not really so what else is going on in this whirlwind of an episode mrs c needs more to do boom she's great she'll get more to do as we go along, as the show becomes more ensemble, she'll get more to do. Right, right now it's still Richie. Occasional moments of Fonz. Uh, Ralph is kind of off to one side. Potsy is still whatever it is. Potsy is. Uh, Joni is as her moments. Miss Mr. C is really the only other person who's got as much to do. I would say as Richie at this point. Although the Fonz draws close, but Mrs. C needs more to do. Uh, what else do we have? Yes, see. So they go to the they go to the strip club and then yeah well what happens is mr c is getting sick and he has to go meet with a client who buys a lot of nails or something like that and the client always takes him to one of these places that's why he's there so when they when when richie and potsy leave the strip club it's it's very much like a i hope we didn't get caught and what's my dad doing there oh boy oh i've actually got a plane right here and there's richie uh Joni and, and and Chuck sitting at the table with Mr. C. One of the few times they're all kind of there together. Uh, oh, there, right there, right there. There's when 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 Richie leaves and Mr. C and Joni are are sitting there, and you can see the sort of wide the, the wide angle long shot on the kitchen uh, on on the dining room. Look at those glass jars on the thing behind. Doesn't it look like look at the glass jars? Look right here, right here. Uh, Ten fifty eight. And the DVD. Look at the glass jars. If you didn't know there were glass jars, you just looked up at them quickly. You might think, as I did, that there's a cityscape behind them. There isn't. It's just trees and things. But maybe I'm an idiot. Okay, what else do we got going on? Okay, so they go to the place. I, the thing with the episode is 
Is it just basically, we're getting a fake ID, we're going to see some strippers, we're going to be disappointed. Just in the same way that Richie cu- Richie's cup runs over, we're going, to, we're going to this party, we're going to drink a bit, and then we kind of get disappointed and a little sick. And Mr. C gets sick in this one, of course. But yeah, Mr. C sees Richie there because um, uh, Bubbles makes a big thing of taking off her white glove and dropping it on Richie's head and kind of makes him the center of attention as much as he doesn't want to be, which is part of the fun of all of it. few more things before we get to my oh-my-gosh moment in the episode. Uh, I like uh, near the end there where Richie and Potsy are like, she didn't take it all off. What's going on? Ralph Mouth lied to us. It was Bull. And Fonzie says something like, Bull makes the world go round, which is fun. And then there's a lovely moment where a guy we don't know comes up to Potsy and Richie and says, did you guys go there? I heard she takes it all off. Yeah, it's incredible. And... You know, Richie's kind of like, why did you why did you tell him that, Patsy? Why did you lie to him? And it's sort of like, eh, who cares? Bull makes the world go round. We keep it moving. Keep it keep keep it churning up. I I'm gonna tell you real quick. My I never had a fake ID. Uh, I know, shocking. Um, however, I will tell you this story real quick. There was a guy I worked with at Bookstar Studio City. Bookstar Studio City, back in '95, '96, guy named Thornton great guy we used to watch jackie chan films together and lots of hong kong action movies and things and one day he said dan can you drive me down to macarthur park which is in downtown la it's not the best of places i said sure i'd never been and you know and so macarthur park is kind of um it's it's a park that's yeah very much I, I don't I, I don't know if it's square or rectangular, but you could sort of drive all the way around it on like major major roads at that 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 point all the way around it. And so at one point we are we uh, we're driving down. I, f- I forget. I want to say we're going south along the park, and we get to the edge of the park, and the park's on our right, and it ends at a corner. And and Thornton says, "Stop here." I'm saying, "Sure, yeah, no problem." And I hear. The door open, and I turn and look, and there's a guy sitting in my back seat, and he looks at me and says, take a right. I said, Thornton, do you know this gentleman? No, no, I don't, but take a right. What's going on? Just take a right. Okay, so I took a right to take a left up here. Okay, pull down this alley. Thornton, I don't want to go down this alley. Just go down the alley. Why am I going down this alley? Just go down the alley. So I went down an alley, and I parked, and we all, all three of us got out of the car, and he said, follow me, and we went in the back door of some sort of business, and I said, Thornton, my car is still going to be here, correct? And I get out, yeah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, and we walked into like a little hallway, and there were like a bunch of guys there sitting at little tables, and there were people in, in little rooms, and, 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 and. Thornton said, just wait right here, Dan. I said, okay, what's going on? Just wait right here. He went in the room with the guy. He came on a minute later, and the guy just, uh, and Thornton said, well, let's, let's go this way. And he pointed towards where the sidewalk would have been, you know, the alley behind us. So we, we, we walked through this space, and we walked through a curtain, and suddenly we were in like a, a like a, uh, like a souvenir booth, kind of like, you know, if you're driving along, you see like a, almost like a newsstand souvenir booth type thing. Um, right out more or less on the street. So I'm kind of standing there and I'm looking around. I'm thinking, what is happening and where am I? D- don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. Uh, just stand here for a bit. I said, okay, so how you doing? Okay, good. Yeah. 
Do you think my car is still there and or has tires? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. A couple minutes later, the guy came out, something in an envelope, handed it to Thornton. I said, okay, go. We start, I started to go back in. No, no. You can't go this way. You got to go around. So I don't even know where I am. Where am I going around? Just go around. Go, just go to the right, and you'll see an alley. And go down, and you'll see your car. Okay. So I went around, and there was the alley. And I was like, okay, well, there's my car. And it wasn't terribly easy to get. My car was a um, Crown Victoria uh, uh, LTD, you know, and it was huge. And it was very tough to maneuver through. It was like pulling this alley. And as I'm driving through the alley, I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get out of here? So we park, and... I just, I'm sorry, I, I had the episode playing and the, the first, the blousy blonde flaps her um, uh, sort of like um, scarfs and things at Richie and Richie doesn't seem particularly interested. He should be more interested. And I always like when there are ladies in these strip clubs. Back, it's like Brain That Wouldn't Die, you know, when they show all the women at the, the burlesque club that the guy goes to to try to find a head, uh, or try to find a body for, for his, his fiance's head. Um, and there's always like some women just sitting there just looking. They're just looking. They don't look particularly interested. They look like they're maybe watching a Bergman film or something. They're, hmm, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, the way this, she's chewing your gum and kicking her, her legs out. Yeah, hmm, very interesting. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, and I, I got in the car with Thornton. We got out of there. We started driving back. And I said, Thornton, what was that about? And it was a fake ID. He needed a fake ID. And I said, I was 23. And I said, wait a minute, you're 21. He said, yeah, this was a fake ID for something else. And I said, a fake ID for something else. I'm not going to ask. And he said, please don't. Soon after that, he left the store and I never heard from him again. I do hope he's all right. Thornton, if you happen to be listening, please, you know, Danny Slacks at yahoo.com. Shoot me an email. Tell me you're all right. But that was my one fake ID uh, experience. Um, and uh, let, let me, let me, let me, let me um, begin to wrap this up here on this one. Um, oh, the, the gal, the first gal, the blonde, not only does she seem it's interested in she's snapping gum, she's super cute though, she starts juggling at one point. And it's like, to me, it's like, yes, juggling, awesome. Um, let's see, uh, I don't know, the, and all the guys sitting in that place look like... Um, kind of the sleazier members of Congress or something like that. So I'm going to do a fi- I'm going to do a scan through my notes and oh bubbles is on. Oh yeah. Mhm. And there's um poor Richie can't look around cuz his dad is there. Wouldn't you know it? Like the the like I've never had a fake ID before. I've never snuck out with that fake ID to a strip slash burlesque club before. The night I do that is also the night my dad's there. Oh my God, the irony. Is that irony? Is that, um, it's coincidence, the coincidence. Uh, the coincidence of it all? I don't know. So let me, um, I, th- I think that's about it that I have for this episode. Oh, oh, uh, one more thing, one more thing. And then I'll give you the, 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 the interesting thing. And, oh, I actually swore in my notes here when I saw this interesting thing. Mm, I won't swear here though. Um, let's see, loaf of rye bread. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, so the, 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 the interesting, right at the end, um, uh, Richie, Barbara Rose looks very good. Uh, when Richie gets home and, and, you know, dad says, how'd you get in? Fake ID. You're grounded for a week. Okay. Let's go to sleep. And all of a sudden you get this moment where you hear the TV playing and Mr. C is like, let me turn the TV off. And then all of a sudden they start playing the national anthem and they just stand there for the national anthem, which is 
exactly what they did at the end of the Love American style episode. It worked in the Love America style episode because that was all about trying to watch something on TV. And finally, when Richie comes home from his bad date or, or the attempt at a, the, it all went wrong, he comes home and there's his dad watching TV. I forget, is the test pattern still, whatever, and suddenly the national anthem plays and they both stand there and the camera like tr- pulls back, tracks back, tracks back, tracks back. It doesn't have much place to go in that apartment they're in, but it's kind of a fun moment that, you know, they couldn't get the darn thing to work, but yet when the anthem plays, they both stop and stand. They do that in this episode and it ends up feeling a little weird, a little forced because we don't really hear the TV before that joke and we don't really know what's on. And Mr. C doesn't seem to be watching the TV. He has his head like in a, uh, like a steam pot of steam rising up in his face, kind of with a towel over his head. He says he's not watching TV. Uh, so it's a bit of a eh kind of joke to end it on. Uh, it was better in the Love American style. And can I say too that 20 minutes, 32 seconds in, you see like a drawing, uh, a sketch of one of the burlesque dancers. It's crazy. I don't know what this where this sketch is from, but that's kind of kind of crazy, isn't it? It's kind of kind of almost scary kind of. I like it. I like it a lot. So, let me wrap this up with the thing that made me go, "Huh?" And it wasn't the B girls. At one point they see Richie and Posse see two girls staring at them and smiling at a table. They're B girls. Don't have them come over here cuz they'll, you know, they'll get you for drinks and things like that. What grabbed me here is, now you remember my discussion, and I'm going to try to do this quickly, about the wall in Arnold's. So when they sit in the booth, presumably there's a wall there. And I've, I've said all this before, and I'm not going to go into it again, but we had that really weird moment where that the episode ended. What was it? The um, uh, Guess Who's Coming to Visit ended. And we saw Moose. Was it Moose, the big guy with the salt shaker and the Sunday, who sees the gal sitting up against the wall and uh, up uh, in the booth, and they dance. But when you when you see the gal, you see that she's in a booth, but and to to her right, our left, you see like space where like the restroom would be in the jukebox. But to her right, where there should be a wall, and and it should be right up against the booth, there's space. There's like six foot of space, and there's like a trespassers will be no loitering, don't be a jerk, trespassing prohibited by law, something like that sign. It's like, wait a minute, so there's like six feet of space there? That doesn't make any sense, and I've already talked about all this. This episode, Richie gets a call from his mom, he gets up, and so so we're sitting and we're looking, we're sitting where the wall should be, looking at the gang talking to Ralph. Richie goes way downstage, upstage, downstage, way in the back, Near the near the the where the phone booth is, past the jukebox, he gets on the phone, and then we suddenly whew, hop the axis, and we're looking at Richie as he's on the phone, and we can see Ralph and the gang sitting on the opposite side. I'll, I'll post a picture of this um, somewhere. We can see Ralph and the gang sitting on the opposite side, and there's the wall. The wall is right up against the booth, and the trespassing prohibited by law sign is now above the booth where the woman was sitting before it's not six feet to her 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 left our right in some strange zone where there shouldn't be space it's been moved so now it's above there so there is a wall there i still and i still stand by and this describes splish splash or whatever friggin song it was that seemed to be out of place time wise 
I still stand by that that final scene in Guess Who's Coming to Visit was more or less kind of like a dream, a dream of Moose's. If that is his name, I believe it is. So that's why he's seeing all that space around her. It'd be kind of like, you know, like a like she'd be kind of flowing. Da, 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 and that's what all the space is around her. She's not crowded into a wall. There's a space there. And that's how he's seeing her. But she's not really there anyway. He's just dreaming that. So there is a wall right there up against those booths. So whenever we see someone like someone's leg kind of hang out uh you know on the edge there's a wall there they shouldn't be able to do that whenever we see the floor beneath the booths which we'll see a lot soon that we shouldn't see that there's a wall there now what are you you're saying hey dan why are you talking about all this why are you denigrating it i don't know it's part of the fun i absolutely love it i mean here's the thing one of my favorite shows is doctor who you know, and you can't watch an episode of Doctor Who in its original 26 season run without getting at least one moment where you're like, ooh, whether it be a strange effect, an odd costume, an odd acting choice, a weird bit of music or something. It happens. It happens in almost every episode of Doctor Who. So me, I'm not actively looking for it here in Happy Days, but I'm examining the episodes and I'm, in my mind, trying to figure out the layout of Arnold's. And so whenever we see the booth, and the camera is looking across the booth and onto the dance and the dance floor is in the background and then the kitchen area, you know, we that's a wall where we are where the fourth wall should be. And we actually saw the fourth wall in this episode, which makes me so excited. I'm going to go back and watch it again. No, I probably won't. But having said that. Thank you. Also co-starring Barbara Rhodes' Bubbles. Oh, yeah. What do we got? Waiter, Marsha, Pockets. Oh, let me, let me, the credits are up here. Let me just see if we can, um, do we have Eddie, Joni, Chuck, uh, Eddie, Lee Paul, Beatrice Combs, Marsha, Billy Sands' Waiter. Oh, I don't see who the one dancer was. They don't say who the one dancer was. That's too bad. The, the blonde who's juggling. That's great when she comes out and juggles. That's, uh, <laughs> I like that. Oh, and there it is. Recording artists contributing to this series are Ike Cole, Bill Haley in the comments, Les Paul, Mary Ford, Johnny Ray, K-Star. Okay. So that is the end of uh, discussion of episode, gosh, eight of Happy Days. We're halfway through season one, everyone. We've got eight more episodes left. And the show is going pretty good right about now. You, you can tell it's going pretty good because after this season ends, Crack Magazine will do a parody of it. And yes, I will be talking about that. I've got the magazine sitting right here. I'm not going to tell you any more about it. All right, so that is the end of episode four of Rockin' All Week with you, the Happy Days Podcast. Again, my name is Dan, Dan Budnick, Daniel R. Budnick, uh, Danny Slacks at yahoo.com. You can email me there. Um, eventually, supertrain.blogspot.com uh, is the site where I'm posting a lot of this stuff because it's on my feed for my Eventually Super Train podcast, which is the exact opposite of what this is. Happy Days is 250 episodes. We're doing two episodes at a time. It's going to be crazy. We will have guests on. And Eventually Super Train is a short-lived tv show podcast currently we are discussing the last precinct from 86 erie indiana 91 and man to man with dean Lerner from 2006 i believe we're having a good time doing it i'm also doing uh one minute with european zombies circa 1980 i'm around episode 30 of that and somewhere in the vicinity of when you hear this um we're recording a new made for tv mayhem we are talking the house on green apple road and smile jenny you're dead so that's all awesome. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. And let's hear this. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the
o'clock tonight, but it's that. 